guess who's back? Hey, alright! Still doing that shit, Andre? Welcome to episode number 130 of the Betty It Podcast. I'm Tim Fisk, your host. Better yet! Long form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Still, hey, all right, Bubbas. Welcome back. It's so good to yell that and to just talk into a microphone again. So good to check back in. I did some checking in and I got the scars to prove it, but that's in the past, baby. We are here. The dawn of a new era, an era within an era. We've been the best since day one. Bubba's, how we doing? What a time we've been having over here at the new Better Yet HQ. Things are slowly starting to regulate. Slowly is the operative word. I am recouping at the pace they said I would. It just isn't the pace that I would prefer. I've never been too good at sitting still, and I just had to sit still for an entire month. But I got some stuff done. I watched a lot of baseball. I listened through the Lungfish discography. I I listened to a lot of discographies lately. I made some discoveries and built some understandings of the things that, you know, those you know, those people and those bands that you think Oh, one day, one day, I've heard Todd Rundgren was great. Turns out he's great. First five albums. Oh, my God. What else? Saw John Wick 3. I watched John Wick's 1 and 2 many, many times when I was out. Good, comforting blanket. But now we're back. Back again with a bang, baby. Rick McGuire of Pile is on the show this week. And through all of this, we've still been keeping up over on Patreon. Patreon is a way for you to help support the show by pledging a monthly amount in exchange for bonus content, including playlists, original programming like haircuts and t-shirts, our true crime podcast, and once in a while, I'll just drop an interview in there early. I've also got postcards and a coffee subscription, all available over there at patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. I mean, if 5,000 of you pledge $2 this month, I can pay my medical bills. <laughs> I don't want to dwell. And n- nice little edit right there, huh? Um, or repeat myself. A few weeks back, I did drop a detailed chat about what was going on with me medically. But the short story is I had a major abdominal surgery put me in the hospital for a week and at home unable to work for a few more weeks it was weird and it was strange but I'm feeling better I wanted to wait out coming back with the regularly scheduled programming uh, until I knew I would be ready to go and to go full speed I'm grateful to have had this show to look forward to so on with it yes my guest this week Rick McGuire of Pile. Now, Rick was here way back in January of 2017, episode 36, in what remains one of my favorite interviews in our history. But in the time that's passed, we've had two new Pile records, Hair Shirt of Purpose, 
from 2017 and green and gray released just this last month on top of a singles collection odds and ends now both these new lps amongst the band's best in my eyes and i think representative of a new phase within pile's catalog that stands out for reasons rick and i will get into i was really looking forward to this interview it went down a few weeks after my surgery and was helpful in the healing process having something put my time into and also something that I was looking forward to because I'm such a fan of Piles and of Ricks and we've had some people come back in the past to talk about new records but never for a full interview so we got to get into the weeds so let's get into those weeds am I right we'll start with a song this is on a bigger screen followed by my interview with Rick McGuire resident of Boston, oh, yeah, which yeah. you're no longer, you're in Nashville, True. right? Mm-hmm. How's that been? It's been really good. Yeah, uh, my folks live down there, so I get to see them semi-regularly. As opposed to running into your dad at a random gas station. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and then it was just holidays and things, and, and now I get, you know, see each other, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever. And That's really nice. I also live in a house with two other members of the band, which is cool. And that's Alex and Chappie, who are mm-hmm. new additions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Chappie was playing with you on one of the tours that I've seen, right? Yeah. He started playing with us a little over two years ago. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like touring at first. But this was the first record that he, this most recent one was the first one that he played on. So how is it being in a in a place that's you know new to you for the first time? And I mean, how long were you in Boston? Like right after college, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. From like, yeah, ages twenty one to thirty three. That's so. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, you do so much growing in that span. Yeah. So what's it? What was it like? I guess uh, you know, bring me in a little bit because, I mean, last. Last we talked, you were you were living in the practice space, mm-hmm. which you were feeling positive about. But uh, I'm I was wondering, you know, now that you're 
remove from it a little bit like is it is that still good or were you making it i was making the best of a weird situation yeah for sure i mean i i think given that there was a, an expectation to get an apartment get a steady job blah, 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 and if i had continued down that trajectory then it just seemed like well, i'll see how I, this agrees with me by living in just like a where like a room in a warehouse with no windows right for very little money and i think for a while it worked out all right like i was able to not pay a lot of money uh and i had a gym membership and that was where i like take showers and stuff um but at a certain point i was it, it was it was not great right um, and then I, I found a spot to sort of crash for a little while and I just basically found spots that would let me stay there and I could pay some portion of, of rent for, for a little while. And, and then, yeah, until finding some steadier stuff and then, but now, yeah, I, I live in like a house with four other people and it's a nice house. I really like all the people I live with. We have a guest house, which is nice, where we can, yeah, like a separate right. thing, uh, and we can. You do practices there, and stuff? Yep, yeah, and recording and like store, do all the shipping stuff out of there, and. So I guess what like you know what leads you to leave Boston though is it tough to leave a place that you've been at for as long as you were? Uh yeah, it was tough to leave. Um. I'd lived in Massachusetts my whole life up to that point. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh I guess my I guess my question is, you know, you go from a from a place like the one that you were in and then you go to kind of like a transient lifestyle. It's it's a little isolating. And was it I guess you know, do you get to a point where it's just like oh, I kind of dug myself into a rut here and I got to get out or is it a little bit less you know like panicky than that than that um it's yeah i mean i i always i'd like i knew that i could accept doing the practice based thing again if worse came to worst but i i think it was uh i would find little opportunities here and there and that would be like exciting enough to carry me on to the next thing so just like finding places and yeah um and doing that but yeah no it's nice to have an actual steady spot now to where like i know where i'm gonna live i know where all my stuff is i don't have to move it around from place to place because i was bouncing around from boston to like georgia and tennessee it, i would go there in the winter oh sure to just hang and visit family and stuff like that so yeah it was you know but now it's nice to to be like this is where i i don't have to move anymore yeah, which is nice, and That's I had to good. do that twice. Like, it was like twice a year I was doing that. It felt like terrible, so. terrible yeah. feeling. And it w it forced me to cut down on my possessions, which was fine. I wish I had. Yeah, I wish I had that type of fortitude. Well, yeah, I, I, that's the thing too. It's people would be like, "Oh, like you want to go to this record store, or do you want this record?" And be like, "I don't. No, I don't want to put it in a box yeah. one day." So I have, I have like, I have maybe the same twenty records that I've had for the past like ten years. Yeah, you. I, I, I had a, a lovely moment of just irony in packing up um, all of these things one day, and all my stereo equipment and the whole time I'm, I'm just listening to music out of a 
Bluetooth speaker yeah. on my phone and, and realizing that it all could just be right here. Like the speaker sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> enough. And good enough. Yeah. It, it's good enough, but no. I gotta <laughs> I gotta have this thing and I have to have these things that are the perfect triangular distance if I'm gonna experience anything. Sure, yeah. <laughs> So last last we talked, Hair Shorter Purpose was finished, but not announced yet. Mm-hmm. And now we've got Green and Gray. It's interesting, you know, to me to bring you over um, and kind of think about, you know, we were talking in the car about the long discography. And, you know, I think if you kind of pull the focus out a little bit, it feels like within the pile catalog, Hair Shirt is kind of a kind of a cementing of like the era that you're in now it's uh, it's different than than you're better than this and more different i think than you're better than this was with tripping Mm. did it feel like you know you were making something that was different or more different when you were making that record um they've all felt like kind of variations on a similar thing of just like the dynamic like mellow songs to really aggressive songs. This, that that one, Hair Shirt of Purpose, was definitely more on the... I did have a lot, uh, a lot of focus on melody for that record. So there wasn't as much of the really aggressive stuff, even right. though it did show up on like a couple, maybe three songs. You were letting your vocal melody carry a lot more. Yeah, and just like even guitar melodies and stuff rather than just like noisy sort of stuff and then um but yeah you know that um i feel like there was some we took some uh i don't know if risks but just made some choices that we hadn't before in regards to production and like adding instrumentation and things like that right um because i i I feel that too you know you especially with the way that record starts you know you 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 have worms and you have ropes length that one and three it's it's a statement of sorts and there's you know there's piano on it and it's just like more prodding in a way i guess you know are you thinking about the person that you know might come to that record and think oh this isn't this isn't enough pile for me this pile record is you know maybe a little bit too much of a thing that's not what I'm accustomed to. Yeah, I don't know what that thing is though, because it's like I started just doing like acoustic guitar stuff, and that still is the same thing to me. I mean, and I'm working on a batch of stuff that, if that wasn't enough of what one person expects, then they're gonna get like zero of it. On right. The next one. So it's. Right. Um. Yeah. As far as expectations, like I understand that there may there may be more now because there's a bigger audience and now a more material to sort of point to, to be like, this is what you do. But, um, I don't know. I can't really stay too, too hung up on what the perception of that is, even though I am interested from time to time. Right. To be like what is, cause you know, even in trying to be self-aware, uh, you don't really. I'm also like the least objective person to the thing that I'm doing. Right. So. Right. So I guess like when you're, because 
you know, going back to the beginning, it's like, obviously there have been evolutions. Are you, are you just kind of letting it happen? Is it intuitive? Do you ever feel like there have been times where it's been a little bit more deliberate of like, all right, this is this thing now and Mm. it's going to be this thing until it's not anymore. Yeah. I think it's uh, I do have a tendency to do the it's not this, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Where each record, it's sort of, it's, I, I don't know how subtle it is or, or, uh, or noticeable, but I feel like I swing back and forth between two poles of it being like, this is like aggressive and chaotic to this is really measured and yeah. sort of restrained. And then, um, yeah, kind of going back and forth between those two or, or finding whatever that last thing was and be like, now I'm going to try to do something opposite, but that's like similar enough. Um, cause I, I find it interesting. Like, you know, you talked to David Anthony for, uh, noisy and you kind of talked about, um, you know, mentioning that having Alex and, and Chappie there was having you like think about, you know, not wanting to go in too soft of a direction, not because of those two specifically, but just because of the perception of like, oh, two new people are in the band and now the band's changed. Right. Yeah. It's it, funny how that works, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I you know, it, it, part of me is like, well, I shouldn't have cared. But also it's like, I just also know that 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 line of questioning would have really irritated me being like, oh, the band's different now. Is it because of these two people? Like, right. No. Right. It's because I wanted to do something different. But now, I mean, even still, it was like doing that batch of material with them. I mean, maybe it's it sort of, you know. I guess it's it's interesting, you know, too, to think that now that you have this long catalog, mm. maybe the uh, the thought, like, to make the drastic changes doesn't, doesn't feel like you have to do it like right away you can still do it but it doesn't have to be right now in this moment because you're going to make another record yeah there is that part of it too where it's like i'm a little less concerned with like well it has to be now because i'm gonna at some point i'm going to be depleted of all you know creative juices right you know i'm not as concerned about that now i realize that it's like a little bit more of just like a practice just like continuing to do stuff and totally and it gets easier the more i do it so do you ever you know speaking about like thinking how it's difficult to think objectively but you know you're someone who likes music Mm -hmm. like are there are there bands that who who have longer discographies that you look at and and you know i think about bands like yola tango and, and blonde redhead bands that have been able to just manage a discography yeah are there ones that you kind of look at and you and have like a any sense of influence or admiration i think nick cave is one yeah but it's also it's like a strange sort of thing because i don't know how crazy i am about his music but i'm very into how committed he is to his craft. Yeah. I think as an artist, I I respect so much about him. I don't have more than a couple Nick Cave records that I really like, but yeah. I love that you have like something like Boatman's Call. And then like I love 
I love when he did Grinder Man because oh, it yeah. felt like it was just such a good thing for him to go and and do that and get that. And then like the Bad Seats record that comes after that is mm-hmm. one of my favorites too. Because it's Dig Lazarus Dig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just a big fucking rock record. Yeah. And he's been, you know, he went through so many different peaks and and valleys to get there. Yeah. And it's also cool seeing somebody as they age to not feel like it's like, well, I'm just relying on my old records. It's like each one that comes out is like, that's the focus. And um, I don't know. And yeah, I think that it's interesting to put it into that context, too, because, you know, um, I'm 32 and are you you're 34 now? 33. 33? Yeah. We're old now. Yeah, we're yeah. we're old in the in the scene that we're in, kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are you? I mean, I can tell that it's playing uh, in your head a lot on on Green and Gray. But you know, thinking about longevity within this, what you've been doing for as long as you have, it's like, you know, you're getting into historic numbers. Right, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels. I mean, I sort of that was like the the hump to get over was like writing about that on this record because now it's like yeah there aren't i I don't talk to to too many people that are in my position in terms of being this age and being like yes my my one job is to sing in a rock band right you know um so it was a little weird to sort of come to terms with that what, what what do you think had you wrestling with that so much around this time? Is um, it is it me? Is it like part of the the shift in moving from Boston? I'm sure that probably played played a role because going from being like, all right, I'm moving away from a place where I know people, and yeah. I'm doing this thing. It is sort of the and. And I'm doing this thing where it feels like there's not too many people that I can r- relate to in that way. It's like that that's a bit um, isolating. So or at least the idea of it was. And uh, so just sort of trying to wrap my mind around that. Yeah. Um, Has it been good? Like because I have. I, I mean, honestly, just like what's been going on with me in the past month, it's mm. been a lot of like, you know inventory and and perspective taking and and we were we moved to this neighborhood specifically because we went to a neighborhood where we didn't see people that often and that feeling of isolation and Mm -hmm. and i was you know i guess worried about my own uh ability to get back into my life which will be happening soon i'll be working soon enough and not doing the same thing when I get back. It's like I want to be able to go out and like get out more and see more people because we're around more people again. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like I like being alone. Yeah, yeah. And I like going from one place to back to my house, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the further you, you go down that road, it's like the more comforting it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. I don't know. Part of the thing that I do like about this line of work is that there is 
And I mean, this also might be the same sort of approach that I had to living in the practice space, which is sort of just like, it's great. And I'm like, I have to have that perception in order to like keep going forward. But there is like a yin and yang to this whole being in a band thing where it's like there is the alone time where it's like I'm writing and I'm working on stuff and I'm in my own head about things. And then there's, you know, then there's this, then there's like touring, which is like constantly around people. Yeah. Um, so, and I know also my tendency to sort of just be a bit of an escapist in, in both like casual social settings and in like intimate relationships. So, uh, that's also something I need to like, I need, I got to work on. So yeah, I well I know that that's like I know that my tendency leans towards like just go go home just yeah. just like just bail. Um, I have to I have to like push myself to like go go out and the and again the touring thing does help with that to where it's just like you just got to accept that you're gonna be around people for yeah I'm until here until this thing's over. I'm here. I don't have any out. Yeah, I can't just like decide that I'm gonna go home and read. Right. I gotta. Yeah. Yeah, reading has definitely been put on hold since being on the road. I wish I could read in the van, but that's not. That's I'm not like my... that too. I gotta be centered in yeah. a place if I'm gonna do anything productive. And I was in the fucking hospital. I didn't get anything done. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like I'm like, well, I don't even have the energy to like watch a TV show. I'm just like, I just gotta get the fuck out of here, yeah. and then I can go home and get some thinking done. That sounds that sounds hellish. Well, it was funny, you know, like preparing for writing this and then i'm like all right let's let's start with your better than this and and then move forward and we can gain a little bit of perspective on on hair shirt so then it's like oh i like this song what's oh the yeah appendicitis that's (laughs) but it was funny like you know looking at that song and it's an interesting gem i think going into hair shirt because it feels like what you're talking about there you know homes and and stability and fallacy that becomes like the topic of of hair shirt mm-hmm. so i guess you know like bring me in a little bit like what what's going on like what what has you focused so much on on that part of things uh i think it's i mean a re- one one relationship in particular was uh, that sort of been like at the pretty big part of a lot of those records too and i think that that's like part of the familiarity thing and it was like this on and off relationship that i was i was in for like 10 years yeah um so i think a lot of that the home stuff is sort of reference to that it's just like the, what you're familiar with what you're comfortable with and and that sort of disappearing because like the home thing as it like a literal like place where you sleep um yeah, that had kind of uh, disappeared around that time. So maybe it was just like the combination of those two things, and I would yeah. sort of use. Um, well, when you're going like back and forth between these two things that are just not stable, it's kind of like right. All right. Yeah, and then I mean the combination of that, and then also yeah, a personal relationship that is 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 pretty much mirroring that. Yeah. Where it's like this is nice, but it's not this isn't going anywhere you know there's really like uh-huh um i wouldn't call it driving and leaning on a wheel but yeah. yeah yeah um so i guess you know it it's interesting to 
to look at at those words in particular and and I remember when you came here last time and and it was just like you know you're better than this it's all surrealist imagery and these characters that you're channeling or writing about and this all was really straightforward language was that I guess was it just that you had so much on your mind that you it had to come out that way uh not necessarily I think it was like a deliberate shift because I think that while the surrealist stuff like had its place and was like helpful for just like it, it being what it was I felt like that maybe I would I would be able to uh tackle certain issues personally a little bit better if I could be more articulate or direct about them yeah um there's this uh writer named Sarah Manguso I wrote this book called 300 arguments uh-huh and uh and I forget it's basically just like the there's just like 300 quotes of hers <laughs> and like uh-huh. one after the other that do form like a very loose or not well yeah form a narrative somewhat or they, they could be strung together but they're all very self-contained thoughts and one of the things was about like writing and it's like the reason i write is to see like see if i can like write my way out of a problem yeah and i i'm i'm I, it's a very clumsy way of, of, of saying, I feel like, or I'm not doing the quote justice, but it was basically, I felt kind of the same way where it was like, if I'm going through something, I think I could write my way out of it. Or that's, that's like, that's going to be my tool to like deal with this situation. And, um, so yeah, I mean, even on from hair shirt and then into the next record, I'm, I, I'm even more direct about and literal about stuff. So, new era yeah and also just trying to trying to be like this is exactly what it is and there's no mistake about it was it difficult at all for you to express that way because when you have you know imagery and and surrealism you're able to hide behind it a little bit Mm -hmm. was it tough for you to go out with it in that sense a little bit but also at that point it's like there's there's so much less to lose socially because it's just like there's not there's fewer people in my life that are going to one see it as a surprise (laughs) and two care because they're just not involved anymore you know so um yeah i don't know it was like a little bit scary but at the same time like anybody that knows me is gonna know that that's what's has gone through my head or i've been going through since you know since whenever right right did did you have any thought of like you know sort of trying to control the narrative too it's like you know this was such a signature for you it's such a like staple of of the way you write and it seems like everybody had kind of gotten that every you know write-up was talking about the way that you write and then hair shirt comes out and it's just like you leave so much of that behind yeah, I don't know. I I guess I didn't really see it that way. I saw I thought that it was still pretty much aligned with with what I had done before, but um, yeah, I don't know because there was still some of the surrealist stuff in there. I guess or maybe not. I don't know. I haven't 
It's weird. It's the song. It's the album that's always like right before the most recent one that I I neglect the most. Like I just don't think about it anymore. Uh huh. And it's really the old ones that'll be like, oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have like a a different perspective on, it. and I'm sure I I'll listen to because also hair shirt we toured on it so much. Or just like toward on that one a lot recently, right? So I'm sure I'll listen to it in like maybe six months or a year and be like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's what I that's what I was going for. Mm. I, I, what what I really liked about it too is especially you know a song like "Leaning on a Wheel" where it's just like you're just taking turns hurting each other, mm-hmm. and the one who's getting hurt is just waiting for the other chance to do it. Yeah, and I love the particularness of it, and then. The way you scale back, and it's like everybody does this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is you know, it's cynical, but sometimes that's what you need, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's or at least just ha- helpful to realize that everybody is really selfish, like the, the things that, that may come across as, or I, I guess it's more like don't pat yourself on the back too hard for like being a good person because it's really you're just trying to whether it's just you trying to be able to sleep at night or or whatever or or make up for any you know misgivings you have in your past or or whatever i I think that you know there is not to say like don't do nice things there's but just be aware of yourself right there's an element of like altruism that we're all guilty of in some way it's like it's like everybody posts on fucking instagram that they voted yeah like good for you yeah like Like you're not that uh inspirational person that sounds like well you know jerry voted so i mean and i really look up to jerry so i should go do the same (laughs) um Damn, Jerry's feeling called out. (laughs) Fuck. Um, you did. You did. Uh, you're better than this. And hair shirt with Ben Broden. How did that? How that come to be? Well, um, I think it was on one of the tours. Oh yeah, I think I was. We were on tour with Speedy Ortiz, and we played in Omaha. This place called the Sweatshop, and this dude, Dan Kemp. Uh, was there and he introduced himself and he was a really nice guy and he introduced us to Ben. He's like, you should check out his studio. His studio is crazy. And we're like, okay, we have some time tomorrow. So we went by and it was like, um, it was a really really nice studio. It yeah. was like, um, Mike Mogus from, right. It's like in his backyard, and just there's like a A and B room. And Ben ran the B room and showed us around. He was like, yeah, I think this would be a great spot for y'all to record. And it just, at the time, it just seemed like a weird enough opportunity. And also Ben's vibe, I think, agreed with us really yeah. well. And so just like, like a like a personal vibe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also just like, yeah, pers- uh, personal first and then just like taste-wise. Um, and it was great. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely in a weird place for when we went because we went out to Omaha for "You're Better Than This," and uh, I was yeah, I, I felt unprepared and 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 frantic and why? I th- I just felt like uh, I was trying to make the songs really weird, and I felt like I sort of lost any sort of bearing on where they were go where the some where the songs were going. Uh huh. And um, 
so a lot of the things are just like kind of came up with very last minute and it made me really dislike the record at the time and i I have since listened to it and be like there's some really weird ideas that i like on this yeah so i really like it now Um, so it's a real anxious experience for sure yeah (laughs) um so yeah i mean i i that definitely comes through because it was an anxious experience recording it and then um wanted to do another one with ben but we're like maybe we'll see if ben would want to come to boston so we we did it there and that was really great it's interesting because i feel like you know the the hair shirt it, it more reflects the type of thing that ben is you know more known for recording mm-hmm. it's like you have him come out and then you kind of make like a, a record that's you know a lot more in the in the ben broden type of style but was uh you must have felt comfortable then, I guess, because hair shirt. Are you playing the piano parts on there? Yeah. Why don't you credit that? I'm looking at both of these, and it's just guitar and vocals. Uh, I think it's just. <laughs> I find that funny. No, I'm like, oh. I, I, I think I've always thought of when when bands put like this person did the, you know, right the, the sousaphone, uh-huh. the kazoo, and it's just like who cares? Yeah, like, the glockenspiel. <laughs> are you gonna like, do that live? Uh huh. Like, so I, 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 the part of it was just like, this is what people can expect to see. Live. Yeah, sure. It's like if they're trying to identify who's doing what, that's that's the way. Especially when there's like so much more piano on hair shirt, it does feel like a little bit like, yeah, uh huh, <laughs> humble brag. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. How long I mean, have you been I, playing piano? That was actually the first instrument that I started playing when I was like. Seven. Oh, okay. But I, I took like piano lessons for like a year and a half or something, and oh. then stopped, and then didn't play music until I was eleven or twelve. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I've been playing piano all the time now. I have like a like a weighted digital keyboard in my room. Uh huh. And just yeah, with the headphones, it's awesome because I just like I can do that, and I'm not bothering anybody. And I just like the piano a lot. But um, that's what a lot of the songs are. Um, that's what I'm writing them on now. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. I mean, as far as like talking about them being different it's f- from what people are are used to hearing from us, like, they're it's gonna be pretty pretty drastic, I think. But at uh-huh. the same time, it's like this er- very early stuff was that. So I don't know. And then it becomes like more of a yeah. I mean. It, it's interesting, you know, with a with a, a bass like yours, because you'd like to think that they're ready for, or not ready for it, but willing, mm. you know, to see you go whatever direction you want to take it. Yeah. If it's a it's a if it's a further stretch, then it's a further stretch. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe I'm I'm building it up for something that's really not all that far out. But um, I don't know. I I like anything there's there i'm sure there will be a few people that are really into it and a few people that are not not fans but um that's sort of the that's the risk you run i guess yeah so you know in between uh the two lps we got you toured with converge Mm. how was that that was pretty wild uh yeah we'd never been a support band like that i mean we you know we toured with like speedy and everything but they were like friends yeah and, and that was a very different thing these are 
This was like these are shows. These yeah. are Live Nation shows. Well, how was that aspect of it? I just, just like, popped in my head, and you had like a music business kind of moment where you're like, uh, uh, uh-uh. um, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there've been, yeah, because we got an agent since, and so that's like a thing that yeah. I've. In that, I think it was probably shortly after we spoke last. I, there were just a handful of shows where it's like. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of putting so much energy into trying to make sure that the shows that I'm going to play are good when the people on the other end of it aren't doing their due diligence Mm -hmm. and I'm the one suffering the consequences and I got to make the drive home with less than I showed up with in some cases. So you didn't have to, you didn't have to worry about what you were going to get paid when you're opening for convergence. That's a nice thing to have that. Yeah. And then you get, you know, Band like that. I mean, talk about discographies. Talk about bands that make changes and and do things to still stay fresh. And even though all those records still sound fresh, they do. Yeah, I mean, I and I wasn't too familiar with their music prior to that tour. But um, our guitarist at the time, Matt Becker, he was like that was his favorite band i mean he had like a jane doe shirt from when he was 14 that he still would wear all the time Uh um it was great it was it was really awesome and i became a fan of the band from that trip um just and all like i learned a lot i learned a lot and if i were to be totally honest I, i would say that the like me deciding to quit drinking probably was like um one of the reasons was that tour offer because it was just like i know that I know that these guys don't and, or at least that's, that's the vibe. And also like, this is a huge opportunity and I don't want to like run the risk of like having just a few too many beers one night and saying something the, the next morning being like, uh, and even if it's not, wouldn't, I can't imagine saying anything all that egregious. It's just like, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm like, yeah, like I want to be focused and clear headed. So how's that been? It's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's, um, this has been the first like full U.S. on an album tour where I haven't been drinking, and I'd say the only thing that I I struggle with is maybe um, just chilling out. You know, I yeah. I think I get a little too high strung with stuff, which I have to. I got like a meditation app on my phone and everything because I'm doing like the for all intents and purposes. I'm I'm TMing as well. I mean, aside oh, sure. from like yeah. Uh, that's tour managing for the lay person. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and I, I, but I'm not, I'm not running merch because I'm, I'm too chatty. Yeah. Um, and inefficient behind the merch table, but, <laughs> but with everything else, it's like I, it's just a lot, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, bringing out support bands and stuff and i want to make sure that they're taken care of and often there are gaps in communications between the promoters and the support and blah 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 so there's a lot of that sort of stuff where there's just just things here and there and i feel like there's a lot of sort of um organization and you get home and it's kind of like all right now i gotta kind of wind down right and it's yeah it's it's tough to bring yourself down i think that that all takes time and yeah and understanding yeah and i mean i'm happy i like i i really do love the work and being sort of the in in control of 
of all the stuff. But I'd say other than other than that, other than the like sort of stress that I is totally self imposed. I would say that it's been really great for me to not be drinking. That's good. I don't think I would be able to manage this stuff as well. You definitely wouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, it's a pretty logical conclusion, right? Like hearing the heavier moments on uh, Green and Gray and connecting to that tour. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I was planning. I was I for past records. I was like would do like we'll do a heavier record and then we'll do a mellow record, and that was green. A green and gray was going to be like the heavy record. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But there are obviously very delicate and mellow moments on it. Um. But yeah, and and so yeah, being on tour with Converse definitely did inform a lot of what was going to end up being on there. It's like not only you know the the nastiness on there, but like some of those double leads. It's like oh hell, yeah. <laughs> like I'm impressed that it's it's you know it's heavy for pile standards and good, but it's also heavy for heavy standards mm. and good. Were you? It's it's interesting. You know, Shady Bug was just here, mm. and uh, and talking to them about you know, like, oh, I got a chorus pedal and started writing all these songs. It's like that's a delicate line to walk because you start doing a thing with a thing, and then you run the risk of everybody just being like, "Cool, I guess you got a chorus pedal," <laughs> yeah. or like you know, oh. Well, I guess you've been listening to heavy stuff for the past six months, and now you're trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you worried about that at all, or do you you could feel that the material was strong? Yeah, I guess more the latter. I wasn't as concerned about that. It was, I mean, it's the thing too. Is there's you know some some cases with the last record, there are people that were like, oh, well, it's not as it's not as heavy as their older stuff. And I was like, all right, well then, here you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of six of one half dozen of the other. There's going to be, there's always going to be someone that's like, feels like you're not doing the thing that they want you to do. Um, so I wasn't, and I've gotten comfortable with that. So I'm not as concerned about it as I maybe was, or it's not as like deep a concern. Right. So, um, the mats leave too. Mm-hmm. Becker and, and Connery left. So that, that's all good. Yeah. So just commitment. Yeah. I mean, um, Matt Becker had his second kid. Whoa. So that was sort of like, and I guess, you know, he found out that that was what was going down, I think, in around December, which is right when we did the Converge tour. So he was like, because he was like, you know, he hadn't been able to do a lot of the tours up to that point. He was like, I can do that one. I was like, I bet you can. <laughs> so we split that up with him and Chappie, and they both came, which was really great. And then it was shortly after that that he, I mean, it was on that tour that he was like, I'm just, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I'm done. And uh, yeah, he had his second kid. And then, and yeah, it's been, I mean, I saw him a few days ago at the Boston show. It was really great. But yeah. And then Matt Connery just was, uh, He's just tired of touring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you get so you get uh Chappie and Alex in. Chris has been studying. Chris has been playing with you for how long now? Uh it's been a little over 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. Um I guess how did the how did that dynamic change for you creatively? 
Um, it changed in a couple of ways. One is that we, you know, since we didn't live in the same place, it was like we had to set aside blocks of time to be like, all right, here's two weeks where we're gonna write. So we would all get together and you know for however many hours a day we would do the thing and it was very like concentrated uh amounts of time to to work on stuff where whereas it used to be like we would do two days a week over a longer period of time so that i think shifted the dynamic of the writing process also alex is an engineer so he was recording all of our practices which was cool um but as far as writing with them, you know, it it took a little bit of adjustment, but the same way it's just like a little bit of adjustment having a conversation with one person as opposed to another person. Yeah. It's like they're just different people, so it needs to be approached differently and see what people's see what their uh tendencies, yeah, you know, idiosyncrasies in some cases. Uh but I mean, overall it's, it, it it was great and a pretty smooth transition. It's interesting hearing about, you know, these blocks of times that you're writing things together because I think one of the things you do really well on this record is you have these soft moments and then you have some really, you know, dirty material mm. and everything like flows together really well. You know, Thanks. songs like Hair going into labyrinth and and that sort of thing did, did how much design goes into that aspect of it did, you know is, is that a product too of just having you know so much time where you're together and you know you can find a way to glue it all yeah i think it, it wasn't you know that didn't it didn't form that sort of flow of the thing didn't form the songs but those songs definitely did those songs plus the amount of time that we spent on them did help to sort of format the record to figure out like, all right, well, we can go into this song. Here's this one common note between these two songs that we can have be like a drone that can sort of help flow one into the other. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot of thought on all of our, we were, it was very, we were all very much in it in terms of like the, our heads were all, together on the whole thing which was really cool yeah being like well there's this you know it's best to put like 12 minutes per side if you're doing a 12 inch lp at uh-huh at 45 so like these three songs will work and like well i think that adds up closer to like 13 minutes but like could we do this and this like well no that's gonna mess with it so everyone was really Huh. Focus. That's all. That. Yeah, that's a whole group effort, mm -hmm. and like, yeah, down to, down to the tiniest aspects. Where did the the string players come in? Because I I feel like you know, Kevin McMahon is also a really good person to have. You know, I think about the Titus Andronicus record of, you know, that here's a drone that can bring us from one spot to the other, and the strings on there sound really good too. Was mm. was that, uh, you know, in the back of your mind? Well, Fuchsia um, is someone that I've played with a handful of times. She plays viola, and she's on the Hair Shirt of Purpose record. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that was someone who was just like, yeah. Let's, we, and I would play with her solo sometimes, too. 
And so she did some stuff on Green and Gray as well. And then Kevin knew this cellist named Jane Scarp and Tony. And so both of them would sort of like work together on some on some stuff. So um, I think it was also just like a product of having the amount of time and like, I mean, having our shit together mm-hmm. in a way where it's like, all right, basic tracking is done. We still have so much time. We just need to organize or like make sure we allot time for this, 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 this. So, you know, strings were the next thing. And then just throwing those on, throwing on all the keys, all the roads, all the acoustic guitars and all that. So, um, is this sense of organization and, and planning ahead of time, is that something that's been there for you? Or is that is that kind of a newer development? Because, you know, you talk about you're better than this, feeling so unprepared. And, yeah. And, and now you're just talking about all of the stuff that you have mapped out and you, you find yourself with more time. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's been a process i've always wanted to do that but i think it's gotten maybe more sophisticated as time has gone on i've been able to sort of like build on that to be like the songs are a little bit more complicated and involved and and the production is more in depth and that that sort of thing but yeah i mean also on you're better than this i wonder how much of it i sort of was hoping it'd be like, well, we'll just figure it out in there and it'll be the magic of the moment sort of thing. And it's like, well, that's, that's all well and good, but there should be enough of everything else that you're leaving. The stakes also feel super high when you're not on your home turf. Yeah. You went out there to do this thing and then it's like, Oh no. Like, well, I guess there's something that I was forgetting to mention on going out there and doing it, which was, our van situation was uh, less than savory. Oh. And we had like, Chris had gotten rid of the van that we had been traveling in and he got a sprinter. He found one in a lot for like a decent enough price, but it was, um, it was lemon and it just like gave him all sorts of problems. And um, anyway, that thing ended up dying and so we, but we still had time scheduled in, in Omaha to record and this tour that we had to do. Yeah. So we borrowed a van from somebody else. And um, when we drove out there, the transmission went. So we had to cancel a show and we had to drive, I think it was like in second or third gear from Iowa City to Omaha. Fuck. So we were, you know, spent like so much time and that was we had we drove mostly through the night and we just parked on the side of the road in fuck Missouri uh and you you told me about like the dripping session too that you did in Philadelphia just being a a mess too yeah I'm sorry I'm surprised that you're you know you you don't have PTSD like when you know the the thought of recording comes and your hands start shaking (laughs) and you you get visions of being in the shit well, it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's like also a, a, a sort of thing where to live through that, not, you know, and make it sound dramatic, but like to go through that uh, and then be like, well, this is the, this is the process. And again, you know, hopefully learn something from, learn something about yourself in that process. 
being like, I don't want to do this this way anymore. Or like, I think we could do it better if, you know, maybe that's, you know, that's why we went and did the record in Boston the next time. And yeah. it was like at a place that had windows too. So like, <laughs> like, as a thing, you know, when we did dripping, it was like in a, in a warehouse and I had no idea what time it was. We were also drinking like 15 beers a day. So it was just like, you mm-hmm. know, um, I can only play this solo if I have four and a half in me. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, we would start tracking at like eleven o'clock at night, and then yeah. just go until like six or seven Jesus in the morning. Jesus Christ! Um, just because it was that was that was just what we did. But um, do you have a moment? Do you have a moment where it's just like fuck, like on, on, on all of it? Yeah. Or is it just like, do you just kind of take it in stride and then realize it that um, it's like okay, I I, I got to be doing this with a little bit more maintenance and a little bit more of a, you know, a thought into how today affects tomorrow affects the next day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was sort of the, the, the process of it, <clears throat> I think. And I don't know how true this is, but I feel like as time goes on, the closer I get to like, do it, like doing the thing that I'm actually like, this is what I want to do the better care of myself I take. Yeah. You know, like the, when I was like, I wasn't particularly happy in college when I was like working all the time and all that sort of stuff. And I was just cranking cigarettes. Yeah. And just, you know, there's that, there's that John Mulaney joke where he talks about, you know, being in college and goes through the whole thing. He's like, and I didn't drink water the entire <laughs> time that I was there. Mm hmm that's you know that aspect of of maintenance just at the base level it's not there yeah it took me till i was like 27 to realize that i you know i gotta do anything right i gotta yeah. buy groceries now right and you gotta figure out how to buy groceries you can't just buy like paper towels and oreos you know right it's yeah like, it's not the five things i need right yeah, like try and get like three things that you might need yeah because it's going to be eleven thirty at night and you're going to want something right and then yeah exactly make it not garbage right How about that try try yeah but it it, it even still i felt like there was a, a bit of like just like self-flagellation and like going through being like well i'm working and so i need to reward myself by punishing myself <laughs> you yeah. know like yeah um but now, as time has gone on, I also it's it also could just be like the adulthood thing, where or like the getting older thing, where I like I can't I can't drink like fifteen beers and then wake up the next day and be like, all right, cool, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Let's get in the back of the van for the next six hours. Yeah. Seems like a great idea. Right. <laughs> just, just like, like just get drier and drier uh, as yeah. I like you know start to hunch more. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I I don't know it those those recording sessions like they were difficult but they were what they needed to be at the time um, and you, yeah they've gotten easier and better. Do you feel like you know this type of maintenance this type of like you know this is this is all very being in your thirties conversation that we're mm. having is it does it affect your creativity has that ever been like I'm just, it's wild to me that you're motivated in the ways that you are. And obviously the ability to write is, you know, paramount to all of it. Mm. Has that ever been a process for you? Or have you been able to find ways to just let that wheel keep turning? 
I, it takes work to like, you know, there's certain things I got to do to make sure that like my, I'm, I guess I just like continue to be curious and like pursue those curiosities and then figure out how that maybe that could help the writing part of it. But like, I don't know, as far as like the, at least in relation to like the self care and the sobriety thing, I feel like it's helped the creativity a lot. I feel like I'm able to put together like more difficult creative problems. Yeah. Were you worried about that at all? Is the like if I'm not suffering, I'm not gonna be able to do that. Um, not the suffering part of it, but I wondered how much of like and it was such a foolish thing, but I was like, if I'm not like drinking and smoking, like that's such a part of the thing. Right. Like I wonder what how like what my song content will be like oh, like if I, I hope i don't get too sober to decide that i should get a job uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just like is it gonna be boring now but i i honestly think it's it realizing how much of it uh, of that was just like medication for me dealing with because it was weird like six to eight months after quitting that it was like all these weird emotions came bubbling up that I was not, I I this I don't know if it was just like some something else that was going on in my life, but like I felt like it was like a bunch of stuff that I just hadn't been dealing with. Yeah, and it was like all of a sudden I was very sensitive to these things. Um, was that before or after you left? It was before, so it also that yeah. also might have played a role in it too, where it was just like a bunch of life changes were on the horizon. Yeah. Um. But, um, but yeah, no, I think it's at this point and it was never like, a anybody had an intervention or I was like, I really need to like, I need to quit this stuff. But I just like woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to try it. And then I liked it a lot more than my previous lifestyle. So, yeah, it's nice when you, when you, you get far enough along that you realize like, oh, this is just, this is just straight up good yeah you know mm-hmm. it's not even it's not even the challenge of it it's just like yeah you know i think about I, I i just think about how annoying it would be to have a hangover yeah i couldn't imagine doing anything such a nuisance <laughs> <laughs> i actually there was one night that i got it's like i haven't had a drink in a while i'll try it and i i went to uh i was in burlington vermont and uh have you ever heard of this beer called Hetty Topper? Maybe, it's yeah. It's like exclusive to Burlington. People uh-huh. lose their minds over it. And yeah. I was like, I had them before, and it's a good beer. So I was like, I'll I'll have one or two of those, and it's like a pretty heavy beer. And I had a fine time that night. It wasn't exceptional. It was you know, but I mean, it was exceptional in that like the people I was hanging out with are great. And so that was really great to see them, but I'm sure I would have had a fine time had I not had right. those two beers. Uh-huh. Um, and then the next morning it was like gray and overcast and I was really hungover and I felt dep- I was like depressed. I was like sad and felt bad and I was like I don't ever want to do this again. I think yeah. I'm like done forever. Yeah. My thing was that I told enough people that I remember we went to Orlando, me and my me and my friend group, and and 
I was really excited because Yingling's there. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll have some Yingling. And my friend Pat's like, I, that would make me so uncomfortable. And I'm like, damn. Told too many people. I fucked <laughs> up. Now I'm stuck. But yeah. it's, it's good. You know, there, there are a lot of, you know, anxieties on this record. There's a lot of anger on this record. But you talk so much about what you're doing and 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 your age and and how you've taken this path and you're staying on it and i just get such a good sense of assuredness and calm about it Mm. it's nice to see that yeah it feels pretty good to be certain that that's that this is what i'm doing yeah it's good it's good great to have you over yeah it's good to be back cool Yeah. All right. Hey, my guy, Rick. One, getting him back here was great because he's a very warm person. And I enjoy getting to talk to him. And two, he's carved out such a path for himself over the last 10 plus years. And now five and six records in he's continuing to flourish an achievement which is so unique in our time i thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to to hone in on a small period of time get the details hope you all enjoyed that thanks so much to rick for coming by and for working around the distraction of a panting chloe i don't know why i took her for a walk right before that's on me honestly check out pile online pile bandcamp.com and pick up vinyl copies of Green and Gray, Hair Shirt of Purpose, and the rest of those records from our friends at Exploding in Sound, explodinginsoundrecords.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, rate it, write a review. We're back. Give it a bump in the charts. We are on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. The website is betteryetpod.com. Support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Betty at podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you to Chloe and Lily. Thanks to Rick. A lot of people have propped me up this past month and a half. I got some texts to send. And oh, what's this? This is uh this is a nice little Wilco cover by Rat Boys, one of our favorite bands. How how interesting is this? Stay tuned. Come back next week. Thanks, Bubba.